This is the Video Junkyard Podcast. A place that appeals to your deepest and darkest fantasies. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. From this nightmare world emerges a fearsome half-man, half-ape with the strength of 20 demons. And welcome back to another episode of the Video Junkyard Podcast. These are your hosts, Joe Peterson. With me as always, my good friend, Eric Branson. Eric, how's it going? It is going okay. <laughs> yeah, you've had a I'm bit alive. of a week, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been a fun one. Um, managed to, you know, just doing strenuous activity of walking in my yard, managed to roll my ankle stepping off of a step actually and uh actually pretty severely sprain it and have been um i was issued crutches however i was you know stubborn old man and never actually used them but uh it was bad enough that they gave me crutches for it and spinning an air cast and yeah no fun at all especially trying to chase two uh potty training two-year-olds around the house while i'm uh oh no <laughs> basically on one foot at this point so <laughs> Yeah, as we were anyway, talking about before, been... they have the upper hand. <laughs> yes, totally they do. I mean, they always kind of do, but now they yeah. really got me in a corner. So, oh but, no. Yeah, well, so that's been. Well, I hope that's that been heals a lot of fun. Up. I hope that heals up quickly. I mean, I've been fighting off the sinus thing. It's like allergy season here, so I, I swear I never had allergies until I moved to Wisconsin. And yeah. moving from Northern Illinois to Wisconsin, it's not like there's that. It's not that different of a climate, but. I don't know if they have just more of a certain kind of tree that I'm, I've discovered yeah. I'm sensitive to, but I... It's uh, definitely different enough, because I had the same thing happen to me when I moved south to go to college. I had allergies that I never had before, so... Yeah. Yeah, I, and actually just, they never went away. Weirdest thing is that they never went away, so maybe it was something I was always going to have and just grew into. Yeah, that's know, a possibility. I, a I mean, I don't know, I just know that every time I walk outside, unless it's raining, I look like I just walked out of a really sad movie and I'm just, like, crying <laughs> and sneezing oh, and dripping and it's gross, so... But, you know, we'll prevail through these things. <laughs> yeah. But, well, uh, I mean, we have a special episode, well, special two-part episode the next couple of weeks. Right. And that is that the Video Junkyard podcast is going to the prom. That's right. It's that time of year, kids. It's time to put on the tackiest dress and the most expensive tux you can rent. And we're taking you all to the prom. But right. it wouldn't so this will be, be the, the first time for me. Oh, you didn't <laughs> go to prom? I didn't. No. Did you go? In, you went in high school? I went my senior year because I kind of felt like it's a thing I should do. It was one of the most uneventful things. Well, first of all, we should probably share with everybody that the, the, the prom we had in our hometown, the, the, the place they held it was right next to a, uh, a speedway. <laughs> so at right. least the year that I actually yeah. went twice. I went once when I was in college my freshman year. I, I went. I took a friend's sister to it, which was fine, you know. But it was at the same place, and it was, um, yeah, right next to the uh, Rockford Speedway. So in between songs, you'd hear just go around. And I mean, that's kind of perfect for it was. It was perfect, perfect to paint the picture of where we grew up, right? Well, so. and, and it being that season again, I'm I'm hearing students in class t- reminiscing about prom just a few years ago, and they're talking about what major hotels they went to in Milwaukee or Chicago or Madison, or they went on a cruise <laughs> or this. And I was like, "Yep, Speedway." <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like ours was. I you know I didn't go, so it, it's not the memory isn't real solid. But I don't think they were doing it at the. Sp- Speedway anymore, but anyway, it, well, but, it doesn't matter. I'm sure it was somewhere equally as cheesy and awful. But. Well, I mean, I, I, I've never really understood the the whole purpose of prom. And then again, you're talking to somebody who just recently learned like what homecoming actually is. I used to go to homecoming dances, and I knew there was a football game, but I never really understood what the entire homecoming thing was. I just, I don't know. I wasn't that guy and. <laughs> high school who gave a shit so i just (laughs) went along all right fine go to a dance all right i'll go to a dance but um i think my senior year though when i did go to prom i um i didn't rent a tux i actually bought a zoot suit i bought a maroon and brown zoot suit and 
I do wish I still had it, but unfortunately, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I I parted with that many years ago. But yeah, so of course, being video junkyard podcast, we can't just take you to a regular prom. And as much as there's a lot of movies out there about prom, there's oh yeah, uh, and I mean, about high school and stuff, you know. And we chatted about that on on Facebook a little bit. Yeah, I was gonna say those of you that wrote in with the recommendations, it just kind of opened my eyes even more. I already I knew there was a lot of movies prom was a kind of fixture in or was based around the prom but uh yeah some of the ones that people wrote in i was like oh yeah okay yeah so there's it really is like an american institution that shows up in a hell of a lot of movies like that's uh Mm -hmm. something that's there so we we really could have gone anywhere with this obviously (laughs) because it's us i think we kind of stayed in the realm of you know where we're most comfortable that's the realm of horror films so (laughs) but Anyway, we well, kind of we kind of picked the two most obvious ones as well. I, I was talking to my wife about it, and I said, "Well, we already picked our our prom movies," and she's like, "Oh yeah, what'd you pick?" And when I told her, she was like, "Oh well, that's kind of boring." <laughs> so, well, yeah, you know, but uh, it's like the two obvious ones. But but I think you know, without further ado, we should at least jump into the first one here, and and I think this really is one of the most famous prom movies of all time, if not Absolutely. one of the most famous American horror films at least mm-hmm. in, in relatively recent history. Um, and it, it's a classic. It's been it's been parodied and copied, but never, and even remade, but never quite to uh, the greatness of the original, which is already kind of giving away what I think of it. But this is the 1976 yeah. American supernatural horror film, Carrie. A that maroon is. and brown zoot suit. And I do wish I still had it, but unfortunately <laughs> I... Uh, I, I, I parted with that many years ago. But yeah, so of course, being Video Junkyard Podcast, we can't just take you to a regular prom. And as much as there's a lot of movies out there about prom, there's oh, yeah, uh, and I mean, about high school and stuff, you know. And, and those, we chatted about that the, on, on Facebook a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say, those of you that wrote in with the recommendations, it just kind of opened my eyes even more. I, already, I knew there was a lot of movies prom was a kind of fixture in or was based around the prom. But... Uh, yeah, some of the ones that people wrote in, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. So there's, it really is like an American institution that shows up in a hell of a lot of movies. Like, that's uh, mm-hmm. something that's there. So we we really could have gone anywhere with this. Obviously, <laughs> because it's us, I think we kind of stayed in the realm of, you know, where we're most comfortable. That's in the right. realm of horror films. So, <laughs> but anyway, we, well, kind of, we kind of picked the two most obvious ones as well. I, I was talking to my wife about it, and I said, well, we already picked our our prom movies and she's like oh yeah what'd you pick and when i told her she was like oh well that's kind of boring <laughs> so, well yeah you know, but uh, it's like the two obvious ones but but i think you know without further ado we should at least jump into the first one here and and i think this really is one of the most famous prom movies of all time if not Absolutely. one of the most famous american horror films at least mm-hmm. in in relatively recent history um and it, it's a classic it's been it's been parodied and copied but never and even remade but never quite to uh the greatness of the original which is already kind of giving away what i think of it but this is the 1976 yeah. american supernatural horror film carrie it's the night of the senior prom the bates high school gym is alive with excitement everybody is there even Carrie White, the girl no one likes. We're all sorry about this incident, Cassie. It's Carrie! And everyone makes fun of her. The girl who lives in that creepy house with her crazy mother. Help this any woman see the sin of her days and ways. Show her that if she had remained sinless, the curse of blood would never have come on her. The girl with the strange power. If I concentrate hard enough, I can move things. But tonight, no one will laugh at Carrie. If you don't have a date to the prom next Friday, would you like to go with me? She's with the best-looking boy in the senior class. He's trying to trick me again. She'll be voted queen of the prom. You know, I can make sure that you don't hurt Carrie White anymore. For Carrie... It will be a dream come true. For everyone else, it will be a nightmare. <laughs> Carrie. <laughs> a new film by Brian De Palma. Based on the chilling bestseller. 
starring Sissy Spacek, Piper Laurie, and introducing John Travolta in his first motion picture role. If you have a taste for terror, you have a date with Carrie. Yeah, and this is um, obviously based on the book by Stephen King and brought to screen brilliantly by Brian De Palma, who is actually kind of early on in his career as well. Yeah. Before before he was a, you know, cinema superstar. Um, right, so. right. And this is, I think, one of the movies that kind of brought him to that, though, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. This one was a big hit. And it would I would be hard-pressed to, again, kind of re- showing our hand early on, but it would be hard-pressed to find anyone that doesn't think this is a pretty well-crafted um, horror film. And I don't know. I mean, every every film out there has got its detractors. Maybe it's just not for everybody. But uh, in general, this is just... You could take this one outside of the realm of horror. This is just a great piece of American cinema of the era. And, right. Um, I think uh, just some great, truly memorable performances. I think Brian De Palma's developing style kind of really stands out mm-hmm. it's just uh the and the story was very good and fresh and new at the time i think too and and um all of those elements kind of go together to create a perfect storm i think <laughs> so it's well a, and, to, and to just kind of bring the audience a, a brief synopsis the film stars sissy spacek as carrie white a 16 year old uh definite teenager who is constantly mocked and bullied at school and uh, her mother, of course, is this, uh, played by Piper Laurie, is this kind of insane religious fundamentalist. And her peers are unaware that she possesses telekinetic powers. Um, and uh, the, the, not only, though, we've got Piper Laurie's great performance in Sissy Spacek, which actually this, this film earned her a nomination for Best Actress um, uh, for an Academy Award and Best Supporting Actress for Piper Laurie, but it also stars uh, Amy Irving, Nancy Allen, William Catt, greatest mm-hmm. superhero ever uh betty buckley <laughs> and one of the first if not the first role of john travolta yeah i mean outside of I, was this prior to welcome back cotter or was this this uh, 1976 gotta be around the same time i mean i could just look it up real quick but um <laughs> but uh, also uh yeah just the, the cast in this is really kind of a a a glimpse of of who's who you know or who's going to be somebody soon you know nancy allen who plays one of kind of the lead villains in this i should say uh you know she's yeah. famous in 1987 for robocop mm-hmm. um and uh, pj souls as well who went on to be in stripes and a number of other kind of films in the 80s and late 70s um, halloween a couple of and years ha- later. halloween that's right so, and, yeah. and we'll be talking about that one actually a little bit more in the next episode um <laughs> one of the things i really noticed about this film just Again, as as I've mentioned repeatedly on the shows, you know, this is something I, I've seen this movie, you know, a dozen times or so. But watching it again for the show, you start to notice things. You see things a little bit differently. And the intro here, it's a pretty hard intro. I mean, oh, the yeah. movie opens up with, um, you know, a volleyball game, and and you got you got Sissy Spacek there, and you know she she misses a, a hit. And just the way she's ridiculed by the other girls and the way she's treated. And then it cuts to this locker room scene and there's a ton of nudity. Mm. Yet it doesn't come off as, it's not, you can tell it's not meant to be titillating or sexual. Right. Yeah, there's really nothing sexual about it whatsoever. <laughs> no. And and then you've, you've got this this rather striking you know opening scene where Carrie, it's a locker room, Carrie's taking a shower and, and she has her first period and her reaction is of somebody who's very sheltered and she's freaking out about it and just the way that these girls over the top mock and torment her about it um, mm-hmm. is, is very off-putting. It's, it, 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 it's incredibly uncomfortable. Yet at the same time, I remember kids could be that, you know, teenagers can be that brutal. And remember, this is in the <laughs> 70s where they could have gotten away with some some stuff like that. Today, it might be a little bit different, you know, like the level of bullying today. I'm not trying to say bullying is, doesn't exist or it's not a problem today, of course, but it's People different. are a little more aware that it's happening and it's not quite as uh, ignored by, you know, the authorities whoever yeah. they are yeah i mean a lot of the bullying we hear about today is done on social media which is, is a very different playing field than what we grew up with 
course. Yes. Um, it has a much wider reach, which can be devastating. Uh, but even in this case, just the, the day-to-day torment that, you know, even little kids riding their bikes around town call, you know, call her Creepy Carrie. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I think everybody probably knew the kid in school that really got it rough, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I knew a couple of them, or I can think yeah. of a couple of them even to this day. And unfortunately, I wish I could say that I never contributed to any of that, but... Um... It would be untrue. I don't think I was ever, you know, the ringleader bully, but I definitely, certainly was not innocent of it. Um, well, and I think... So yeah, I mean, kids could be, I mean, long story short, kids could be pretty awful to one another. Well, and, and especially, especially with, when they gang up on somebody that's that's already weak. Well, like and, and, and not, not to defend bullying, again, but, you know, no, no, kids get not. caught up in the peer pressure. Your friends are making fun of this kid who's weird, and it, it, it's at a certain time in, in adolescence it's hard to resist joining in with what everybody else is doing and your your concept of right and wrong is still developing um mm-hmm. and and it's you know how you learn from that and, and as you grow up of course that that really makes a difference and how you how you kind of rectify that have you reached out to that person that kind of thing but um you know in in this one you're you're really seeing a pretty brutal torment of a young girl during a very sensitive time in her life. And then you see her go home and it's worse. <laughs> it's even yeah. worse. And um, I think it's, there's something very realistic about it. And that is, you know, the kind of people that kind of ended up being the brunt or getting the brunt of uh, bullying or um, just kind of being a social outcast. Um, oftentimes were the people that had kind of a difficult time at home as well, because I mean, that it just kind of all adds to the, uh, you know, to the, to what causes them to be kind of a social myth misfit is they're growing up in an environment that is um, difficult for them. So every day is a fight. You know. Um, yeah, and, and you know, you've got this girl who's, she, you know, single mother, who is clearly not well adjusted to modern society. I mean, it, it, Piper Laurie's performance in this is pretty terrifying from the first moment you see her. Oh yeah, she is absolutely the scariest thing that happens in this movie at least but i think in general um stephen king rarely is a fan of movies uh based on his work Mm -hmm. um he's got a few favorites and he's got a couple favorite filmmakers um but is rarely a fan of things based on his work and he right off the bat was a huge huge fan of this movie and just really applauded uh sissy spacek and piper laurie's performances in this and Actually went as far as saying that he thinks that they made the characters come alive in a way that he wasn't even capable of doing. So, hmm. huge compliment coming from, you know, the from, author. From the source, the yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, especially because he tends to be one who's hypercritical of adaptations of his work. But Well, and, and I know that recently he was uh, asked about, so recently there was a new uh, remake of Pet Cemetery. That has come out. That I just finished the book, but I haven't haven't seen the new version, though I really want to. And they made some changes in the new version. And he actually said he was he was pretty pleased with them, even though they made some changes to the original story. And I liked the analogy that he he made. He's like, if you want to drive cross country, you can take one interstate or you can take another, and it might take longer with one route versus the other, but you'll still get to the same destination. Mm-hmm. So as long as you get to the same destination with my source material, I don't care, right? And yeah. I'm paraphrasing, but. And he said, when people read, when they make movies out of my stories and they just change things and it ends up changing the story, then what was the point of basing it on this in the first place? And I mean, the first thing that pops into my mind is like Lawnmower Man, which <laughs> right. has nothing well, to do with the original story whatsoever. Like, you couldn't get more had, disparate. He had a mouthful to say about Stanley Kubrick's film The Shining as well, which, in my yeah. opinion, is, is a very masterful piece of horror cinema as well but but yeah that was his case about that is like why was it why was it based on his book because it really wasn't i mean besides the basic i think we talked about this in another episode besides yeah. the basic like you know building blocks it wasn't really yeah and i know recently he's kind of softened to it to say look it's a very good movie it's a good horror movie it's just not my story mm-hmm. and and that's fair that is fair i think um but in this case uh i know you've you've read the book it's on yeah, my reading just list. recently too. So it was interesting to. It's one of the only times in recent history that I've done this where I've like just finished something, 
in the past couple of months and then you know revisited the film i've seen the film many times prior to mm-hmm. um and being this is a you know movie podcast i don't want to spend a lot of time on talking about comparisons to the book but it is a pretty faithful adaptation of the book mm-hmm. um the book dives into things other facets of, of a First of all, Carrie's home life and relationship with her mother and, and her father, who in the novel, I believe, was dead. And in the movie, they made it, made it kind of ambiguous, but uh, Carrie at one point accuses her mother of the, you know, her dad ran away because mm-hmm. of the way that... Um, but in the book, he was very much deceased and was very much as just as crazy as the mother. So anyway, mm. but... Um, huh. Yeah, so little differences like that. But yeah, in general, it's a very faithful adaptation it it does it stops short of being as the book Carrie is about more than just Carrie. I feel like this one focuses on her as a as a victim mm-hmm. and is eventually it's a bit of a revenge um movie, I guess. Um in a lot of ways. But the book it's a little it's a little bigger than that. You you get to know um some of the other characters from some a little better and you also get to see the way it affects the community as well and hmm. some of the aftermath into like years later in some of these people's lives so oh interesting interesting, interesting but um none of it was necessary to make this enjoyable or to tell the story so i don't like fault the people at adapting it i think they did what was best for this film and did it very well so well and i i think the it's interesting. I think last time I saw this movie, I was in my 20s, and before that, I was a teenager. And watching it now, a bit older, um, you know, you look at the motivation of some of the the antagonists in this. You know, these these other teens that are just trying to set up Carrie for ridicule. Yeah. Uh, and why they want to do that, even though it's like they're being they're they're punished for doing horrible things to her and so they're upset that they're being punished so they take their revenge out on her for them getting in trouble for doing something to her and you know that seems a bit ridiculous but again like we were just saying a moment ago that's pretty typical teenage mentality right it's still this lack of responsibility and um so i agree that this is a, a revenge story but it's at least the movie version, right? I'll find mm. out about the book version soon enough. But um, in the movie, it's I can see it being revenge, but it's more more like revenge, heat of the moment, somebody pushed to their absolute limit, rather yeah. than a plotting revenge. Right, and there's also, I mean, the very strong sense that Carrie is not in control entirely of, or if even at all, of her abilities. Mm-hmm. So... Um, to call it revenge, I guess I'm going to backtrack on that. It's not entirely accurate because that would say that she has kind of plotted out or, you know, not that she's never fantasized about getting back to these people because she would be un, you know, not human had she not at least had that thought mm-hmm. at one point. But um, it's made very clear that she's not entirely in control of these things. So, um, right. It, it, even the way that it's displayed through De Palma's, like, style, the way that um, he liter- she literally is seeing red for most of the... Um, after the blood falls in the mm-hmm. gym scene. And, um, yeah, so it's very much a case of rage and not necessarily plotted out. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think... I guess the revenge is not really the best way to put it. And I should have said what I really meant is that it focuses more on, you know, Carrie reacting to... or Like you said, being pushed to the limit and... Um, that you know for these unfortunate people and many of them innocent of the actual um tortures that she you know goes through has to suffer for <laughs> for the actions of a few yeah because she you know, kind there, of there was... are some people in this in this uh, in, in the movie it's miss collins the, the gym teacher and um the character sue snell um who are legitimately trying to help her there's some question even in the movie i think that whether or not the you know they really care or whether they just kind of feel shitty about what they did to her <laughs> right um, and but but either way their 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 motives are that you know they legitimately want to help whether it's to make themselves feel better or because they legitimately care about Carrie White is unclear but um they end up yeah suffering at the hands of the more 
guilty of them like um nancy allen plays a character named chris was it i think it's jorgensen is her last name um Mm -hmm. and she is kind of your quintessential like i was gonna say kind of your quintessential high school bitch but that's not even like she goes a little bit beyond that because um, yeah yeah i mean the the as far as she's willing to go to really Mm-hmm. ridicule this poor girl i mean and you you mentioned like the uh the gym teacher miss collins and and her friend you know and, and the girl sue who tries you know um but i i think even the the character of tommy ross the the boy who who asks carrie you know sue asks him to take carrie to the prom and he does and he doesn't come off as like a bad guy in the movie he's kind of a dope you know yeah Yeah, and i think that's a pretty accurate accurate characterization of him like he's he's pretty generally innocent as well and i think actually ends up taking a bit of a liking not that they would have been you know boyfriend and girlfriend or anything but actually ends up having a soft spot for carrie by the time they're you know sitting at the prom and having you know what ends up being a fairly nice time together yeah, yeah, I think he's enjoying the fact that he's doing something nice for somebody else, which which kind of mm-hmm. shows his character. Um, I think he's the only, he's the most legit mm-hmm. person that actually is trying to be a nice person in this story. Like, well, because it's interesting, think, but yeah, because they don't, at least in the movie, they don't suggest that he ever had a hand in any of the ridicule to her. Anyway, you no. know, Sue and, uh, did. And like you said, it's like she's trying to, to, to just like almost, you know, reclaim a little bit of pride for herself for the, the horrible things that she's done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Tommy Ross, I mean, the, the just the simple fact that Carrie does have, you know, a high school crush on him and does, you know, I, I would guess that that kind of leads you to believe that he's never been cruel to her. I, I wouldn't think she would hold on to that kind of a attachment or, you know, crush on him had he been someone who was just awful to to her but i don't know you never know but <laughs> mm-hmm. right but you look at at the at, at the character of of chris and and her little entourage and friends and the lengths that they go to elaborately set up uh a very very cruel and disgusting prank to ridicule carrie even more um mm-hmm. you know they they uh de palma and and, and stephen king too you know they they don't pull any punches that you really want to see these people get their their comeuppance it's the rest of the high school gym i think the scariest part of this really is that it's all of the other kids in the gym that maybe they had a hand in doing something maybe they didn't but they're all being punished equally Mm -hmm. um that's that's kind of the scary thing and and really i like you use the word rage and i think it's very appropriate and it's kind of funny that there was a sequel in the 90s to this a, a, a very loose sequel called carrie to the rage and of course there was a, a stephen king novella that he published in yeah. the 70s under the name richard bachman called rage that's actually about a uh, a school shooting more or yeah. less more or less it's about a kid who takes a school hostage with a gun shoots the teacher and kind of the emotional outpour that comes with from the from the classroom like the the emotional struggles that they have with that it's, it's a really interesting story that um I personally think more people should read, but it, so it's kind of funny that the word it's "rage" not is in used. Print at the moment, unfortunately. no. If you can find a copy, I recommend go, it. Go on eBay. Actually, go on eBay, and there are many copies of the old back of the Bachman books paperbacks that have it in there. Uh, you can pick one up for five bucks. Yeah, so. I highly recommend it. It's I think today more than ever, it's a, an important novella that should be read. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think the 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 whole bucket of pig's blood that gets dumped on her and you know the, the whole outpour and the, and the the way that she responds with her telekinesis afterwards is such a striking scene i can see why yeah. this has been copied and parodied and it's it's it made such a strong footprint into uh, american cinema and a pop culture that you could have never seen carrie but you know what that reference is you know yeah well and the is, film is so beautifully set up in its its um kind of uh highs and lows and that is that it's very well handles like the the beautiful moments to the point where it's heartbreaking when that actually yeah Yeah. no it's obviously no it's coming you watch them set this whole thing up and it's just but it doesn't make it any less heartbreaking when it actually happens and uh 
you see that moment. Um, I don't know. It, 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 I think it's one of those moments in cinema history that kind of shakes you to the core, just the way that not only just this, you know, the, the cruelty of, you know, teenage kids to one another, but also just the, the unfortunate, the way that, you know, Carrie was just kind of never had a chance, you know, she had this yeah. mother, the overbearing mother, religious mother, obviously they're, it's not quite as obvious in, in the movie, but I think it is kind of at the same time, but they're living in poverty as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah, she's just kind of never had a chance. And then she has to go to school and put up with all these people being so cruel to her and that they set her up for this thing that makes her feel accepted for one night and makes her feel like she's one of them and, uh, makes her feel like maybe there's a chance that her life could be different. And then to watch it get shattered out from under i mean it's really it's really an effective scene Mm -hmm. i know there's been some complaints actually even though it's one of the most famous scenes in at least in horror cinema history um there's been some there were some negative reviews the only few negative reviews that i read of this movie that said that the slow-mo scene was way too long and um obviously was just there to pad the run the runtime and i couldn't disagree with that comment more like i think it's really um makes it that much more effective like i don't know all the joy and then the betrayal of when this uh these assholes dump you know dump blood all over her at this moment when she really feels like there's a chance mm-hmm. like she's got a chance in the world right and then yeah yeah I, mean, I think that's that's a great word for it is it really is heartbreaking um and then when when she reacts to it it's um yeah, it's it's hard to really be like, oh, Carrie, don't do that. You know, you they, they do a good job well, just, of really making you hate the the antagonist in this. I I, I don't know. Maybe oh, you yeah. should just call them villains. I don't know, but you really makes you Man, you know. I yeah, I mean, big time. Um, Chris, uh, Nancy Allen's character, Chris, in this movie is one of the least likable people in the world. But the thing is, is we all knew somebody like her. Yeah, you know, it's like there was somebody in your high school, no matter who you were. I mean, unless you've been homeschooled your whole life and never been around a large group of people of the same age, you knew somebody like Chris Jorgensen or whatever. I don't, I don't remember if that's her last name or not, but I think it is. Um, you've yeah. been around somebody like Chris before, and you've watched the way that they, you know, there's something going on within them usually that is causing them to you know lash out at others but the way that she kind of fixates on carrie as the source of all her suffering right <laughs> obviously right. it's herself that's causing the problem but and, and uh, you know even in the way that the film ends actually um is is interesting because it, it does involve a jump scare which i'm usually pretty critical of because i feel like that's kind of like that's a cheap scare to do i mean they're effective in plenty of horror films and sometimes they're fun but if you're going to end the movie on a jump scare that's i don't know that's something that's always just kind of bugged me but mm. then actually it's it's kind of a false ending because the real ending is actually much scarier and and it it you mentioned in the book how they go into the aftermath and the trauma that this town has suffered mm-hmm. from this and they allude to that a little bit with the ending that no this is there are people traumatized by what they witnessed yeah and and now you know carrie white is now a a legend of nightmares to to some of these people and uh that's a very effective it's a it's a very kind of simple thing uh narratively but it's incredibly effective and speaking of narratively one of the things i really like about this story is how um simple it is. I know we mentioned that when we reviewed earlier this past year, gosh, actually like last summer, we reviewed American Werewolf in London and mm-hmm. talked about how, how it's like this very linear story, like event A, B, C, D, over, right? Yeah. Um, this one's a little bit more, there's some side things going on, but it's they're close enough to that main storyline that it's, you really don't at any point in this movie go, wait a minute, who's that? Like it's pretty straightforward. It's a very straightforward story, and I think uh, that that uh, contributes to how good of a story it is. Yeah, you know, it's simple. I it's think a pretty so too. simple and, story, and it's the story about, unfortunately, about the absolute destruction of someone who 
of a person who is essentially an innocent that never had a chance in the world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was just, and I mean, we're talking about how heartbreaking it was in the, the gym scene, you know, to watch her kind of all of her hope of ever being a normal quote unquote person kind of shattered. And, and I think that this, the next part of it that that's, that is heartbreaking as well. I won't say even more, but equally as heartbreaking is that, you know, she gets to go home to her mother mm-hmm. And at the yeah. end of this, her her mother, you know, even though it happens, her mother won this thing. I mean, she she was she was right there and ready to break out of her shell and get away from her mother and change her life. And um, these terrible teenage girls, <laughs> whatever you want to blame it, uh, they they convinced her otherwise with their actions. And they in the end, Margaret White, you know, the mother ends up winning. Carrie is ultimately convinced that she's right at the end of the day so um but then yeah i mean everybody kind of gets their comeuppances don't they so (laughs) yeah and and i think the that scene when she goes home after the prom and the the big climax because you think that's the climax and it's not the real climax is when she gets home and the the fight she has with her mom is um incredibly terrifying um just the, the way that this mother responds to her own daughter, who she now thinks is, like, possessed by the devil and uh, because of her powers. And, uh, you know, it just you see the abuse that this poor girl goes through, you know, not just at school, but, like, truly abuse at home. Mm-hmm. Fund, you know, religious, fundamentally inspired abuse. Uh, you know, her mom locks her in a closet for, for having her menstrual cycle. Yep. and makes her pray the sin away it's like jesus um so yeah i mean her it's, mother's it, ultimately convinced that if you weren't sinful that you would never the menstruation wouldn't be happening so right right yeah. and uh you know one of the other things that i i wrote down in my notes that i wanted to mention is how the other they do a good job in the film of kind of establishing how none of the the adults are abusive to her like her mother or they're mildly trying to help, like the gym teacher. Or they just really don't care. And I think the principal is a great example of that. Because he keeps calling her Cassie. Yep. <laughs> Despite being corrected repeatedly, he just doesn't care. Yep. It's like, how can I just solve this complaint? Yeah, and, well, and she's, you know, she's a nobody at the end of the day. In, in, this, in that character's eyes, I should say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and... Yeah, essentially, he just wants to. He's also being like your typical middle-aged white man. And the second they start talking about menstrual menstrual periods, he's like, "Well, well, whatever, you know, I don't want to talk about periods. Right? Get her out of here, bring her in here, and I'm going to send her home." <laughs> you know. Right. So he has the t- that typical reaction to the whole thing. So, but it's it's really good storytelling it's... and crafting to show the yeah. the layers of trauma and the layers of abuse that this girl is sustaining. You know. Yeah, I found her... it. The, the teens, Just, the parent, the home life, the, the administrators, everybody. Yeah. I did find it difficult. Um, and this is a little more to do with reading the novel, which I don't want to talk about too much, but then the, then the, the movie, but the movie, I think character had the the characters are done so well that it, it's still a relevant point. And that's that in the past like decade or so, Stephen King has come under some fire from certain people that he doesn't write female characters. Well, and that he doesn't seem to have an understanding of, you know, or bright, believable females. And there's even been some accusations of him being borderline a little sexist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how you get through something like Carrie and still think that. And this is his first novel, by the way. You know, he's been published a short story, but he's, he's a young adult shortly out of college at the point when he starts working on this novel. And um, so it's not like this is something that's like recent and it's going to kind of change that i just i don't know i don't know enough about it to know what some of the detractors points were about him but i just don't i think these are such like you know well-realized characters that i just i don't know i don't see that they have a point (laughs) at all at least if you at least in reference to this work like i said i don't know exactly what they were referencing yeah i mean i'm i'm a a fan of stephen king but I've, i've heard a lot of especially with some of his older work and i think this is something that an author is going to have when they've they've bridged a couple of decades like this is they're mm. you know and if you um 
if you if you follow Stephen King on social media, he's he's, he's a pretty progressive guy. Um, yeah. So uh, he was really writing, and I, as much as I hate this phrase, I'm about to use it. He was really writing mm-hmm. for his time. You know, yeah. that was that was still considered cutting edge at the time, and the times have changed, and he's changing with them. Um, but uh, now, have you seen the sequel or the remake? There was a remake just a few years ago. There have been two remakes and a sequel. So it was remade. The sequel, I think, is the first. Comes in the '90s is Rage Carry Two. I've not seen any of these, by the way. And then there was a TV TV movie slash pilot uh, produced. Oh, that's um, right. For was starring Angela Bettis. Yes, and, um, in 2002. That was yeah. supposed to set up a television series that would follow it, which never got picked up. And then there was the um, quote-unquote remake of Carrie with um, Julianne Moore and uh, Chloe Moritz Grace. Is that her name? Yeah. Chloe, anyway. Chloe Grace Moritz, yeah. Yeah, I got that backwards. But yeah, um, <laughs> which I've not seen. But I've heard mixed reviews on all of the remakes and poor reviews of the sequel. So I... I don't know. I am curious to check them out at some point if I ever get around to them. <laughs> but hmm. yeah. I, I so, so the the original De Palma film is the only adaptation of Carrie I've seen. But yeah, I, I think the only connection really between the sequel Carrie Two and the original is that uh, Amy Irving reprises her role as Sue Snell from the from the yeah previous, I, from the original. I film. think there's one tangential like connection to the novel carrie there's something in there that that does link it to the second movie but if you're just a person coming off of the movie carrie you wouldn't pick that i don't know (laughs) um anyway it's it's i've I've not heard good things about it well and the the 2003 remake i mean i i vaguely remember it coming out it actually it wasn't until i started researching this one that i remembered oh yeah six years ago they made a remake of this with uh with chloe grace moritz and i never saw it and i think it was because it just didn't not that it didn't yeah, interest it's... me like cause I've, I've always liked this movie but it just was like okay now they're making remaking another it's one of those i mean i think the problem is, is that i like this movie so much so it's really difficult for me to want to see someone else you know handle this material and I shouldn't be that way because I, I do end up sometimes, every once in a while, being wrong about a remake. And I do end up enjoying it. But this is one that I just didn't see. I don't know. I didn't like the casting really either. And I don't, I'll give it a shot someday. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, that's, it seems actually like Prime Video Junkyard fodder, right? It's <laughs> yeah, exactly, a movie that came yeah. out and it was quickly forgotten, right? But um, so so maybe, maybe that was the one we should have reviewed. But... Uh, the original one, I don't think, when it comes to prom season, I don't think anybody yeah, wants this to is think like... about this, right? It's the it's the perfect <laughs> night of, the, of your life. It's the most memorable night of your life, and here's what, like, that in the worst possible way. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I and maybe this is maybe this is pointless, but we do it with every episode. So, if you had to give the, the 76 carry a grade, what would you go with? Oh, this is definitely an A movie in my book. It just, and I didn't even get a chance to really talk about De Palma and his contributions run out of time, but just, just such a like excellent stylist. I feel like people, when I say that, like what I there, there are very few f- films that come out anymore that I feel actually have any style. They're pretty generically styled movies are, and that's because I think people don't like things to look out of the ordinary. But he uses so many things that, let's say for lack of a better or a more relatable example, um, Quentin Tarantino is a, a stylist, right? He does, he does odd things yep. to kind of tell his story visually that doesn't necess- isn't necessarily um, fitting in with the norms of Hollywood. And, and so De Palma is just beautiful use of style in this with like different colored light and the way he uses the camera and um, visual elements that help aid in telling his story. So I'm not going to get real into that because we're going long on this one, but Anyway, that another reason I really love this film. The, the performances are fantastic. It is very, very simple in a good way. Like it just it it's it's not long. It doesn't need to be. It's um, very self-contained and and it is. It's a bit of a difficult one because it's kind of like a punch in the gut, but it's a good movie. <laughs> it's. Uh, I anyway. I would yeah I would agree. I I put this one as an A as well. 
I mean, it's a classic, and there's a reason it's a classic. It's um, yeah. it's got, like you said, a very good cast, very believable characters, uh, terrifyingly believable. Uh, the writing is pretty good, even for its time. And that's something that surprised me too: is it held up fairly well in 2019. Mm-hmm. You know, it 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 actually holds up pretty well. It, there's, there's a bit dated aspects in it, but again. I, I don't know about modern day high school kids, but I know that for me, growing up in you know going to high school in the late '90s and graduating in 2000, totally dating myself there, that uh, you know it it does it does have believable characters. I, I knew people yeah. like this, and um, yeah, it's I think it's still a pretty scary idea. I mean, would I would I be walking out of a theater with white hair and shivering from this? No, but it it it's haunting. I think that's the best word I can come up with. It's a pretty haunting story because you're watching uh, a very terrifying reaction, but at the same time, it's also you're watching somebody just constantly beaten down, and it it makes you, as a, as a viewer, kind of wrestle a little bit with, gosh, this is a, a really terrifying, horrible thing that she's doing to all these people. But then again, I remember what they just did to her, so. <laughs> it's one of those few movies where you kind of root for the violence, if I can, you know, for lack of a better phrase. Um, and maybe that that's just something the audience wrestles with. And I think those are, these are the kind of movies that really leave an impact in you because they make you think. It's you never know. hard to believe that it's not well-deserved by most people receiving the violence. And yeah. that though that's probably not true because it's an entire gym full of people. Not obviously not everyone in there is guilty of being cruel, but you know when they you see the like crowd of people pointing and laughing and commenting and you know just mm-hmm. moments before the doors slam shut and the fires start and the um, it does look. I mean, from especially from the way the film's made, it does look like you know everybody's guilty of this and everyone's pointing and everyone's laughing and you know they're all gonna laugh at you right so yeah they're all gonna laugh at you so it makes you um Hmm. it may yeah it does it makes you root for root for it a little bit and i think that's the the little bit every one of us and and unfortunately i you know i never suffered like a like a person like this did but you know every one of us has been in a situation where they felt like that or they at least they like find it somewhat relatable. Yeah. I'm sure you didn't feel like that because that's just, but um, you felt yeah, marginalized. Just, you felt victimized and an outcast yeah. and ridiculed. You felt embarrassed and you felt unfairly embarrassed. Um, yeah, I think that's a I think that's a pretty human reaction. Now, how you choose to react from that is is very different, and that's that's where social norms come in, right? And, and morality and, and ethics, but. I think everybody's, most people have been pushed further than they wanted to be pushed to some degree or another. Um, so I think that's another thing, you're right, that, that makes this movie relatable is that everybody has a little bit of a Carrie White story in them. Yeah. Right? I mean, Carrie White's, I think, retreats to that place of fire and brimstone because that's the kind of, you know, world she lives in. That's the, what she's been taught and that's her right for reality so yeah anyway so she, she kind of brings the hell but <laughs> right but well if you've survived our video junk air podcast first part of prom make sure you tune in <laughs> next week for the after party right where we're going right. to be reviewing yet another prom themed gem if we can call it that yeah um this one with a lot more disco dancing oh way too much <laughs> but jesus christ oh my god but, uh, and then in the upcoming weeks, uh, we've got quite a lot of stuff coming up. Uh, we're going to have a uh, podcast uh, favorite guest come back at least a couple of times. We're going to have Ryan Steiskel okay. back on the show to talk about uh, a couple of movies here in the next few months. Uh, make sure you tune in here in a few weeks. We're going to have our tribute to the Marvel films. I know we try to do a DC reference in just about every episode. We've kind of held off a bit on forcing it in each one uh but with and you know obviously we record these a little bit before they actually air but this week is when the the coup de gras of the marvel cinematic universe comes out which is avengers yes. endgame which no i haven't seen yet i know you haven't either <laughs> but uh by the time this airs some many of our listeners probably have and maybe you and i will have by then 
Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about what led to the MCU. What what got us to where we are with this? Whether you're a fan of these or not, this unarguably this is a cinematic historical event to have this this yeah, for sure. degree of shared universe. But let's remember that not all the Marvel films in the history of cinema have been good. So we're going to talk a little bit about the the rough, gravelly road that we had to travel before we got to the smooth Autobahn pavement that is the MCU. So make sure you tune in for that in a couple of weeks. Yeah, and then a couple weeks after that, we're going to be looking at... I mean, this is kind of an update to the schedule. We threw a couple things in, including this prom, ske- this prom show, which was an idea that... Um, I believe your wife proposed, but is that correct? Like, yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah so thanks, Sarah, for that. Um, so we threw the prom one in because we figured you got to get that done because it's, it's prom season, right? So, yeah. And the Marvel uh, movies one, also a timely one. So I apologize if anyone is faithful, like following along with that schedule, but we are going to, after the Marvel um, episode with Ryan, we are going to look at the movies The Fall and The movie uh, 80s film effects following that which i believe you're you would have been expecting to hear this evening if you were really paying attention to the schedule but anyway i doubt anybody <laughs> is but so um do you guys have any favorite like we talked about on the facebook page any favorite prom movies uh are you a fan of carrie or do you have any really good stories about your prom <laughs> your prom basically uh yeah so get a hold of us drop us a line on the facebook group send us an email podcast at gmail.com uh, we'd love to hear from you. If you take the time to write it, we'll take the time to read it. And, um, yeah, just love to hear what your prom-related thoughts. Awesome. I want to thank everybody for tuning in and giving us a listen here at the Video Junkyard Podcast. This is Joe Peterson. And this is Eric O'Branson. Have a good evening. You have been listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. You just can't let them go. Go. Stay on the road. Keep clear to the moors. We want to take this opportunity to thank you for listening to the Video Junkyard Podcast and remind you to find us on social media on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. On Twitter at Video Junk Pod, and on Instagram as Video Junkyard Podcast, all one word. Want to thank you again for listening and keep digging. Who knows what treasures you'll find in the Video Junkyard? <laughs> <laughs>